My mother was a woman of tremendous integrity. My mother was curious, protective, unflappable, loyal, complicated, powerful, honest, lyrical. She is devoted, resilient, dazzling, giving, extraordinary. I always knew that she, she had another baby after me, but I always assumed that it was because it's a girl. Of course, they wanted to do an abortion,、uh, but I didn't understand that there were this forced part. This is our mothers ourselves, and I'm your host, Katie Hafner. This week's episode is a tough one. As mothers, we try to raise our children with all the support and resources and attention and love that we possibly can, but sometimes forces that are larger than ourselves make doing that impossible. China's law restricting families to one child was in effect from 1979 to 2015. In this episode, I speak with Simeng Dai about what it was like growing up as a second-born daughter under China's one-child policy. Simeng talks about the repercussions of her government's brutal decree and the way that she and her mother Aying suffered because of it. Today, Simeng lives in the U.S. and works as a data engineer for Facebook. Last year, Simeng interviewed her mother, asking her about things that the two had never spoken about, and you'll hear some of that interview today. Simeng, thank you so much for coming on to our mothers ourselves to talk about all of this and your very unusual situation.、Uh, happy to be here and happy to share the story. So, I'd like to start by. Just giving a brief background for people on the one-child policy in China. So I think it started in 1979, if I'm not、uh, wrong about that, and and it lasted until 2015. 2015, right? Yes. And the policy was that each family in China could have one child. And what was the reason for that? Back then, people believed that if we continue to grow, like how we grew, like many families have more than one kid, our country will not sustain. We will not have enough food for everyone. So the the party decided that they wanted to have this policy.、Mm-hmm. So the Chinese government was worried that there wouldn't be enough food to go around because the the Chinese population was at that point. Really exploding. What was it? Over a billion people. So then enter your family, and、um, tell me where in China your family was.、Uh, my family is from a city called Wenzhou.、Um, it's in Zhejiang Province. It's south to Shanghai.、Uh, now with the high speed train,、uh, it will take me about four hours from my hometown to get to Shanghai. Uh huh, and so your mother and your father, what did they do to support themselves? So my my dad come from a family with many kids. He is the youngest of nine kids. Back then, it was like education was not important.、Uh, nobody cares about that. So he didn't even finish primary school. I think. I think after that,、uh, when he was old enough, he was sent away to study carpentry. My mom, her mom passed away when she was in middle school.、Um, her mom was the kind of the main person who took care of the family, who made sure all the kids have food, they go to school, that type of thing. 
So she didn't finish her middle school because her mom passed away. Then all the kids had to support themselves. So your mom's mom. Do you know what she did? They were all farmers.、Mm-hmm. And so in 1979, when it was time for your parents, your mother and your father, to have kids, I take it that the one-child policy was already in effect. Is that right? Yes, my oldest sister was born in 1990. So it had been in in effect for quite a while. And so when they had your sister in 1990, do you know what their reaction was? Were they upset that they had had a daughter? What do you know about that? Yes, I asked my mom、uh, when I interviewed her back in September, December last year. Did you do the ultrasound? Did you know that it would it would be a girl? So she said she didn't do it the first time because she didn't really care. Of course, my grandma wants to have a grandson, so she'll continue pressuring her to have more kids. We are from like rural area, so the policy at the time in my hometown was: if your first one is a girl, you're allowed to have another one after five years. And then what happened?、Uh, of course, they, did, they didn't wait because、um, nobody waited. So then they had me. If the second one is daughter, then they have lots of ways to deal with it. Before we get to this part in the interview, where I want to talk to you about what your parents did do to deal with the fact that you were、um, a daughter, not a son, I want to talk about what was happening in China at the time. There were some pretty brutal things that happened when. Women were found to be pregnant with another child, and correct me if I'm wrong. There were forced abortions. Yes, and children were abducted uh, and then uh, sold to orphanages, then basically sold to American families or international families desperate for children. <clears throat> so that's the background for a lot of what was happening. During the strictest period of the one-child policy, so tell me what your what happened with you. After twenty-seven days, I was born. They、um, sent me away to a family. And were they doing this because they were worried that you would be taken away by the government? So it was mainly because they wanted to hide that they had another kid, so they can continue to have another try. And yet, weren't they required to register your birth? Yes, but they didn't at the moment. I was not born in a hospital, but more like a private、um, care center. And this was in order to keep it off the books. Yes. And your parents then deposited you with a family. It sounds like maybe a foster family. How would you describe it? So I don't really remember that much. According to my mom, she has been th- that family、uh, because they were、um, pretty poor, so they wanted to have more financial income. So、uh, they were taking care of other families' baby. So, what is your first memory of being with a family other than your own? Yeah, my first memory would be me sitting in a pretty big room. And on a big bed alone and crying, that was the first memory of crying and nobody comes. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And how long were you there? So I stayed with them for maybe four or five years、uh, until my mom、uh, moved to another city to have my brother. 
Why? What was that all about? Because in my hometown, she didn't want people to know that she was pregnant.、Um, so it would be safer in another city where nobody knew us, so she can be shown pregnant. Okay, so they picked up and moved to another city, and took your sister with them. Yes, yeah. And before my brother, there was another part. It was where she had to do a abortion. Oh. Before your brother was born, she got pregnant and had an abortion. After you, yes, she was forced to do an abortion when she was eight months pregnant. So she got pregnant. The city found out about it. Yes, so she was pregnant again. They did ultrasound, and so they knew it was a girl. And then, because every official had a quota, like you have to have that many abortion. Well, hold on. The so the official. In the city, had a quota, meaning had to claim to have forced a certain number of women to have an abortion. That's what you mean by quota. Yes. So your mom was eight months pregnant, and an abortion at eight months is—I mean, it's a very, very non-trivial. Yeah, she told me that it was a very big needle stuck into her belly.、Um, And then came out the baby. So she told me she still、um, feel very regretful, and she still remembers the baby all the time. I can't even begin to fathom the emotional pain. I always knew that she she had another baby after me, but I always assumed that it was because it's a girl. Of course, they wanted to do an abortion,、uh, but I didn't understand that there were this forced part, and she really regretted. She didn't want to do it, but she didn't really have that much choice. All right, so there you were, finally at at five years of age, finally reunited with your parents. And was that the first time you saw your actual birth mother? She did visit me, but not very often. So even though I was with them in that city. They put me with another family,、um, a young woman who was working for my mom. So you were five years old, and you were reunited with your parents, but not reunited because they, your parents, put you with another family in the same city where they were living. Yes. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a mystery.、Um, so that young woman was working for my mom in the store. So maybe it's more convenient for them. And then my mom mentioned when I was with that family, I was unhappy. I think back then I already had, you know, had some understanding. So I was not happy. I was very like, not well behaved. I would cry for hours. Yelling at them like, "If you didn't want me, why did you have me? Why didn't you do an abortion?" type of thing. So it might there might have been some official reason that you that they couldn't be seen with、um, with more children than they were allowed to have. I I doubt that because it doesn't really matter in that city. Hmm. I see. Okay. And then you were all sort of together, even though you were living with this other family. And you were very badly behaved. I, I can just imagine I'd be badly behaved if I was confused 
if I knew that my sister was living with my parents, but why wasn't I living with my parents? It could be confusing, disorienting. Um, did you have a sense that you were loved? No, I think I had to learn that part recent years when I started um, talking about this, because before I never talked about this. And why didn't you talk about it? Before, I was very ashamed. It was because I was not a boy. So my family had to go through this kind of shameful period. Even when my friends in my university asked me how many siblings you have, I would just say I have a sister. I wouldn't say I have a brother as well because I didn't want people to feel like, ooh, your family is weird. Why did you have so many kids? In high school, I did tell a few, maybe two or three friends. I, I actually have two siblings. Their reaction would be, um, they'll just say like, oh, your mom's like a pig. I was not happy about that. So I just mm -hmm. stopped telling people. Um, so it's just like, it's a very negative image if you have more kids. In a negative, general. a negative image. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Let's put your, let's put ourselves in Ai Ying's shoes. She's from a large family. She gets caught in this um, official Chinese government decree. And what do you think her understanding of maternal instincts and love would be given the period in time that she found herself? It's only when I was older, I started to understand. Um, basically, what she said was she didn't really understand that much. People were getting married, so she got married. People were having kids, so she had kids. And then also because her mom passed away when she was 12, 13, so she was very young. Like Her mom was really a good mom, a very standard, typical Chinese good woman who take care of the family, who's very just good in general. But I think it's difficult for my mom to really know how to be a mom, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. It's it's kind of heartbreaking because she lost her mom. She had this kind of crazy set of expectations on her as a mother. And then she has you and my sense is that she was very torn up, not only when she had to send you away, but then had an abortion at eight months. I'm just trying to put myself in her position a little bit. But I can imagine that you must have felt uh, anger as you were growing up toward her. Did you? Yes, definitely. Um, I think what she described back then, I was like yelling and shouting wouldn't stop. Um, it was like the beginning of the anger. And it's anger at feeling unwanted or anger at being sent away or a combination that's hard to understand? First, of course, when I learned that they sent me away, I would have the feeling that, why didn't you want me? Um, of course, I didn't understand the whole one-child policy background. And then after that, it was just, um, we never talk about this. So it's it's just like very difficult to understand for me. Um, like, why did they do that to me? And it, so it sounds like you did this interview with your mother, which I would like to play in order to understand her better. Is that right? Yes. Um, so I wanted to do this as a way to 
hopefully to start a conversation and to let people know that there are so many women who suffered. We shouldn't just forget them. We shouldn't yes. forget that history. Yes, we can't forget that history. Um, here we go. You're about to hear part of the interview that Simeng did with her mother. The interview is in Mandarin, though, so Simeng translates it for me in real time or in as much real time as she can. The first part was my, my grandma was telling her to have another kid. The reasons my grandma was given was um, how could you not have a boy? You, mu you must have done something really bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And this was your father's mother, obviously, right? Yes. Um, so basically, after he, she had my brother, 53 days later, she went to do uh, a sterilization. So she said, by going to do the sterilization, it just means, like, you commit crime, you just turn yourself in. Oh, wow. Like, but I asked her, did you willingly do that? She was like, no, um, you have to do it whether you're willing or not. Uh, compulsory. Okay, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. And so she just went straight into it. So she was like, okay, I was 21. So she kind of followed the trend and got married, have one kid. Nobody was taking care of the kid but herself, so she was just working really hard. Mm-hmm, okay. Here we go. So she said, you have to have like relationship to do the ultrasound back then. It's still forbidden in China now, uh, but people manage to do that in various ways. Um, well, so she, Why is ultrasound forbidden? Because people would want boys. If they knew it's a girl, they would get rid of it. And the reason people wanted boys so much is what? In China, the family name is very important. So if you have a boy, then they can carry down your family uh, name. And if you're a girl, you mar you basically marry into and become someone else. Yeah, we don't change our last name when we get married. But basically, that just means even if the women have more kids, their family, their kids will not carry the family of the dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, here we go. Basically, I was asking her about how I was born, where I was born. I asked her, did she know that this would also be a girl? She said, yes, I must know. But because at that time, it was okay to have another girl. Some people would send them away and pay others like what she did later. Or some people would just give away their daughter. And she didn't give you away. Yeah, she, she paid the family monthly to take care of me. Thinking she would get you back. You know, let's just interrupt this for a minute just to say mm -hmm. that there was this, what I would call an elemental maternal drive in her to hold on to you in, in whatever way she could. Do you agree? Yeah. And then I asked her mm -hmm. when, when I was born, when she saw that I was a girl again, how did she feel? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. 
Like a popo attacking. So basically, she was telling me that if she were to keep me with her, she would have to do the sterilization right away, so she will never have any more kids. And then she said she never had the idea of preferring boys over girls. So it was on my、uh, paternal grandma. She would just keep pressuring them that they have to have another kid. They have to have another boy. So your mother. Was kind of indifferent to the idea of boys versus girls, but her mother-in-law,、mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about a tricky mother-in-law, was pressuring them to do that to keep trying for a boy, right? Yes. So actually, here when I was editing this part, I was a little bit upset because after this, she said, "Of course, I didn't have the idea of boys versus girls." If you still think that way, then that's your problem. Are, are we about to hear it? No, I cut that out because I couldn't listen to it anymore. I, I had to stop for a half year because I couldn't continue editing the audio because she mentioned that twice. I think it was so, too upsetting to you that she would say that's your problem. Yeah, she 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 feels like if I still have any.、Like, Not very positive feeling about this whole situation. Then it was my problem. I should be dealing with this. It's not her problem. Doesn't she have a point, though? I don't know, but I guess like I, I wasn't. Of course, I wanted to tell the story when I interview her. I wasn't expecting her to say anything to me. But then she said. The whole situation—it was not her problem; it was my pro- my problem. When I listened back to it, I was like, "It sounds not." It, I just—I wasn't happy about that.、Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you just a little bit here. I mean,、mm-hmm. I think that I think that our parents, and I truly believe this, do the best they can given what they have to work with.、Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, it is our problem. To deal with whatever mistakes or flaws or obstacles in your mother's case, big obstacles might come in their way. That's just my thought. I don't know if you have,、um, in recent years. Well, it sounds like you did this interview with her as recently as December twenty nineteen. Yes, you're still Simeng. You're still processing a lot of this. Yes, like I thought, I was okay. Because if we're five years ago when we were having this conversation, I would have been crying nonstop for the whole time already. But now I can talk about this, so I thought like it was okay. But I guess it's not totally okay yet. <laughs>、mm-hmm. You're getting there,、mm-hmm. and it sounds、Definitely. like it sounds like the interview with her was really good therapy for both of you. Yeah. Okay, should we keep listening? Here she was talking about how the government official would treat the families that have more kids. They will arrest people, destroy your home, take away your TV, or just like everything they can do within their power to make sure you give up. You have、mm-hmm. abortion. Mm-hmm. T- they're very strict measures and all kinds of intimidation tactics, right? Yeah, my mom used the analogy. It was like a husband chasing after their cheating wife, 
the way they they treat uh, pregnant women just kind of carry them away to do abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, so here she she said after I was born, she had another kid. She said it was eight, eight months and a half pregnant. They did ultrasound. It was a girl. So um, it, was a, it was someone with a little bit of uh, title in the government. She said he that person was good friends with my dad. And then if they don't reach their quota, then they will lose their job. So, um, so they asked my mom to do the abortion. Oh she, my, wait, it was because this friend of your dad's who needed to reach his quota mm-hmm. said, have an abortion and that will help me reach my quota. Have a, this abortion at eight months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she says she still regrets about it. Um, and she felt like the two daughters she has are all like well-behaved and become good people. If she had to give birth to the girl, it would also be a like nice person as well. So she didn't want to have the abortion, but somehow because of this relationship between your father and this official who needed to meet his quota, she agreed to it? It's not only because they were good friends. It was because um, just people know Back then, like you, you shouldn't, you couldn't have this many kids. People would say things. People would complain. People would report to like higher officials why this family had five, and why couldn't I have more kids? So it's not only the government is like watching the people. People are watching people as well. Yeah, it's just a lot of pressure from everyone. <laughs> from everyone. Oh, your mm-hmm. poor mother. Yeah, there was no way that she could have that baby. Um. So she had to do it. At eight months. Yeah, it, it definitely, she, her case was not alone. There are many cases like this. Eight months. Oh, okay. Let's keep going. After that, I asked her after the third kid, what happened to her? Um, did you decide to have another try? So she said, no, I decided to not have kids anymore, partly because it was a lot of financial burden already to raise two kids. And while I was with other family, they have to pay monthly. But then my paternal grandma showed up again and then saying, have another kid. Uh, otherwise, people will say bad things about our family. So she just keep pressing them to have another try to have a boy. Bad things about the family because you did they didn't have a boy? People will say really mean things. It's not uncommon. It's very common. People will say very mean things about your family. It's like your family tree just dies here. Your family is not going to grow anymore. Just like very mean things about family that have only girls. So then, um, how often do you talk to your mother now? Not very often, because every time she talks to me, she says about, you need to have baby now. So oh, I was no. like, if you continue to pressure me to have kid, I will not respond to a message anymore. 
Oh my goodness, given what she's been through, now she can't help herself with the pressure. <laughs> she's now yeah. she's pressuring you. <laughs> yes, I would never do that to my kid. I want the cycle ends here. <laughs> mhm. Do you think you will have kids? Yeah, I'm not against the idea. Um, but I, I feel like it will be a very big responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not ready for that much responsibility yet. Mhm. So if you were to sum your mother up in one word, what would the word be? I think she's very tough. Meaning she always has a lot of strength to carry on her life. That tough, if that's the word. Mhm. Yeah, that makes sense. And she sounds I could be wrong, but in the interview it sounds like she's very matter of fact. Yes. Mhm. Yeah. Like like that's what life gave me and that's what I did. That's how I coped. So you uh you did the podcast and what has the reaction been to it? Yeah, I think a lot of people they feel like I was uh brave to talk to my mom about this cuz Definitely I'm not alone and there are lots of issues between mom and daughters so they felt like it was good that I had this conversation and also they felt like my mom was like tough for enduring all these and still managed to keep on her life. Mhm. Has your mom told you that she loves you? No. <laughs> Ever? No. Do you think she does? I think so. Yeah. And you love her. Yes. I feel it's just I I know she has suffered a lot. And I feel it was the circumstances. So if her mom didn't pass away that early, maybe she'll continue to have more education, then maybe she'll be a totally different person. Maybe she'll leave our hometown and you know become something else. Uh if she had the opportunity that I had, it would be a totally different story. Like I really wish that would have happened. <laughs> mhm. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking to me about all this. I know it's not easy to talk about. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And that's it this week for our mothers ourselves. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrea Perry. Paula Mangin is our artist in residence. Our producer is Alice Hudson, and Sophie McNulty is our associate producer. Don't forget to visit us at ourmothersourselves.com and contribute the one word that describes your mother. Join me next time when I interview Sherry Turkle, whose memoir, The Empathy Diaries, has just been published. Our Mothers Ourselves is a production of Odredex Studios in San Francisco. I'm your host, Katie Hafner. 